Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. In her book, Christmas Gift, which is an anthology of Christmas poems and stories from the African-American tradition, the late author and storyteller, Charles May Rollins, tells the story of an old holiday custom that has its roots in the rural South. It was a game, actually, for Christmas. And it's a, a game that actually dates back to the days of slavery, but which lasted well into the 20th century. You see, the custom there in the Deep South was that two people meeting for the very first time on Christmas Day would compete to see who would be the first to call out the words Christmas gift. Now, whoever won, whoever that is, the person who was the first to call out those jubilant words, would then receive a simple Christmas present from the loser, something like perhaps a, a piece of Christmas tea cake or, or maybe a handful of nuts. Rollins wrote that all through Christmas Day, you would see and hear this game being played all over. And it was very, very competitive. And there was great joy in being the winner. After all, you got a lot of presents out of the deal. But truth be told, the reason that this tradition lasted so long was there was almost more pleasure in being caught and having to give a present than it was to actually receive one. Oh, certainly there was a lot of teasing and protesting about it. But in the end, you see, it was a tradition that warmed the hearts of these people who had so very little that they could share with others, but in fact did just that with faith and with great joy. These are the kind of stories that fascinate me, friends. And, and it's always interesting what traditions last and which ones fade away. Well, this particular tradition faded over time. And now this game of Christmas gift has all but disappeared. It's relegated now to the pages of history and American folklore. And yet, as I think about it now, what remains is this, this powerful image of of a people with absolutely nothing to call their own, celebrating the Lord's coming with loud cries of rejoicing and with all the gifts of the heart that they could possibly give. Now, actually, when you think about it, what we've been talking about here is, is probably not entirely unlike what it must have been like for those shepherds. You know, the ones who were keeping watch over their flock on that silent holy night some two millennia ago. These days we do tend to romanticize the shepherds a little bit, at least where the Christmas story is concerned. But the reality is that these shepherds, these shepherds were a group of people who by any measure at that time were considered loners, outcasts, far from far from ever being considered part of good and polite society. I love what Garrison Keillor, I, uh, and I hope I'm quoting this correctly, he said that shepherds 
we're not high-class people because basically sheep are not high-class animals. <laughs> to live life as a shepherd, you see, was to live a life of endless toil, in unceasing obligation without any help of reward. But here's the thing. is this motley group of people, these shepherds, who are the very ones to procure to whom the angels shared their proclamation of joyous good news at Christ's coming. They were the ones, writes Walter Rangren, who were frightened by a sudden burst of immediate divinity. But it was also they who were given this miracle of his presence by removing their fear and their uncertainty. In other words, what's the first thing the angels say? We talked about this on Sunday. Fear not. Fear not. Your Savior is born. Your Savior is here. And he's very near indeed. Because look, he's a baby. And he's wrapped in bands of cloth. He's lying there asleep in the humblest of cradles. A manger. A feeding trough for farm animals. And he's right there in the middle of the stable and he's surrounded by farm animals and that is his birthplace. Now perhaps it was the fact that the angels had told them not to be afraid. Maybe it was the, the clarity and simplicity in the angels' words. Or, or maybe on the other side of it, it was the sheer spectacle of the heavenly host singing glory, glory to God in the highest. As though in that very moment, all the stars of the night sky just burst forth and they were spiraling down to earth. Or it could have been the sudden and unspeakable notion that at this singular moment, everything had changed. Everything changed for these shepherds. Everything changed for the world forever. Whatever it was, these shepherds, the, the ones who were plain and nameless and destitute of power. They understood inherently that just something incredible had just happened. And nothing, nothing at all, not even the flock of sheep that were still abiding in the field, by the way, could keep them from getting to Bethlehem as fast as they could. Just so that they could go and see for themselves what the Lord had revealed to them. And of course, when they got there, they could see it was all true. What the angel had told them, that it was real. And when they gazed upon the child lying in the manger, and Mary and Joseph there with him, they were so amazed, so utterly overwhelmed by it all, that when they left that stable, at, what, at that point must have been the wee hours of the morning, they fairly well ran all through the streets of Bethlehem, shouting out for all they were worth so they could share with everyone they encountered, everything they'd seen and heard, waking up everybody who were trying to get a good night's sleep, glorifying and praising God along every step and every doorway and to anybody who was listening. Shepherds. Shepherds, friends. Dirty, grimy, hard-knock-life shepherds who had absolutely nothing to give, and yet who had been given everything. And so what else could they do? What else would they do except to offer up their whole hearts in joy?
Christmas gift. Christmas gift. Christ is born. Christmas gift. Well, friends, that same gift is ours as well. And as Walter Wendron goes on to say, like the shepherds and so many others across the ages, tonight we will go from this place running. From our obscurity, he writes, from the darkness in which we live our lives, unacknowledged, inglorious, from our truer condition as people who are not, we run to the Son of God, who knows each of our names and who will call us by those names. From sorrow, we run to joy. From hatred, we run to love. From antagonism, we run to peace. From sickness, we run to the healer. From sin, we run to the Savior. And from death, we run to life. Now, friends, tonight we come to this place bearing no gifts of gold, frankincense, or myrrh like the Magi of old. We, we have nothing to give that's worthy of a king. In fact, for all of our perceived affluence and power, we have at least one thing in common with those motley shepherds in that we have nothing that we can really give in response to such a divine grace. Except, of course, the one gift, the only gift, really, that we can give that really matters. The gift of ourselves. The gift of our lives. The, the gift of our joy. The gift of our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. It's all kind of ironic when you consider it. God has come to this world not in the guise of royalty or power or wealth, but rather fully bathed in the poverty of human life, in league with the lowly existence of shepherds and farmers and pilgrims. He starts out in life with nothing that you and I would consider good and proper for a newborn. But rather, in a manger, he comes into the world. And he comes into the world in every way that truly matters. He comes into the world like you and like me. God came into this world just like you and me, to be like you and me. And such is this glorious, infinite gift that the only possible gift we can give in return comes in trying to be like him. Tonight, beloved, on this holiest of nights, we pause at the stable so that we might sing and pray and kneel before this holy child, this little child that sleeps in the candlelight. We come to honor the woman who bore him and to honor also the man who adopted him. And we come here to remember angels and shepherds and magi and farm animals who were all part of this incredible story. That's why we're here tonight. But as we are here tonight, let us not forget to give praise and glory to the one who has given us this incredible Christmas gift, the Lord our God, who has come to us and abides with us, the God who is our Emmanuel. And like those shepherds, when it comes time for us to go, let's run. Not in the sense of rushing out the door and slipping on the ice. Please be careful about that. But yes, 
by proclaiming our joy loudly and without ceasing, in rejoicing with words and with the giving of ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And as we do, beloved, may our thanks be unto God, the giver of this gift. Merry Christmas, my dear, dear friends, and amen. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and what else is there to say now except Merry Christmas and a happy, blessed new year. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.